Hey everybody, thank you for joining me today. You're listening to Remnant Talk with Pastor Paul DeHaan. And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a previously recorded sermon that I preached at Cross Point Church. I pray that you are blessed through the word and that your faith is strengthened today. It is thoroughly, 100% inspired, infallible, without error, the divine word of God that reveals to us God's plan of salvation for man. Amen? So let's read it. Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Jesus is speaking to John the Revelator and he tells him, Unto the angel of the church, or unto the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write... These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Now, if you don't know what those seven stars are, you back up just a couple of verses and you find out seven stars are the seven pastors or the seven, what the, what the King James Version calls them angels, but messengers to the churches. And notice where God has, or Jesus has these pastors in his right hand. Oh, I'm thankful for that because you don't know how many times I've needed to hear that. That leadership is in his hand, that he's got us. Aren't you thankful for that? And notice this next part. He walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, the seven golden candlesticks, again, if you back up to chapter 1, the candlestick, there are seven churches that, that Jesus is telling John to write to. And every one of those churches represents a candlestick and the bible says that jesus is walking in the midst of the candlesticks in other words he's in the midst of the churches are y'all with me this morning he said i know thy works i know your labor i know your patience how that you cannot bear them which are evil you've tried them which say they are they are apostles but they're not you found them liars you have borne and have patience for my name's sake. You have labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly. And notice what he said. If you don't repent, I will remove the candlestick out of his place except you repent now let's go to Luke 24 and 49 one verse Jesus said and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high I want to preach to you this morning the most important thing in the church the most important thing in the church would you just pray with me right now Lord we just ask you to touch us today we need your anointing and we need your touch Spirit of the Lord we need you today I pray you would quicken our words give us unction today give us an anointing give us inspiration God I pray that you would open our hearts and ears not to be distracted by the things of this world but help us to hear but the Spirit of the Lord would speak to us today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. The most important thing in the church today. If you was to take a poll among church people all across this region, what is the most important thing in the church today? I believe you would get all kinds of different answers. Some people would say the most important thing in the church today is the pastor. Some people would say that the most important thing in the church is the music and the type of music that's presented in the church. Some people would say that it's the personalities of the leadership. Some people would say it's the preaching of the word or the teaching of the word. Some people would say it is whether they have a good program for my children, whether they got a good children's church program, or whether they got a good discipleship program, or whether they got a good youth program. But could I submit to you this morning that the most important thing in church today is not the music. It's not the personalities of leadership. It's not the preacher or the pastor. It's not the building, come on somebody. It's not the programs, it's not the light shows, it's not the fellowships, it's not the get-togethers, it's not the life groups, it's not the small groups, it's not the discipleship, it's not the gymnasiums. The most important thing in the church today is the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the power of God's Spirit working in the church because you can have everything else, but if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have a church. The Holy Ghost is what brings life to the body. Just like your spirit inside of you brings life to your body, and when you breathe your last breath, your spirit leaves your body. What causes you to die is your spirit leaves. Even so, if you take the Spirit of God away from the body of Christ, there is nothing but death. There's nothing but a corpse. It is the Spirit of God that brings life to the church. It's not the preacher. It's not the music. It's not having young people or young programs. There was a time when we built altars. Now we build gymnasiums. Well, it's going to be quiet here for a minute. The most important thing is not our programs. The most important thing is not the way the community sees us. The most important thing is not who knows our name. The most important thing is not whether Google Maps were on the map. The, the most important thing is the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost inside of the church. And I know it's not popular to preach on the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. It's not popular to preach on the Holy Ghost on Sunday night in most churches anymore. But can I tell you today that it is the most important thing in the church. It's the most vital thing in the church. The candlestick. Notice what Jesus told the church at Ephesus. He said that you have a candlestick and I'm walking in the midst of that candlestick. But notice what else he said. He said you are in danger of losing your candlestick. Now what's amazing is when a church loses their candlestick, that doesn't mean they cease to exist. That doesn't mean they shut the doors. 
that doesn't mean they stopped preaching or that they stopped singing. What that means is they lost the presence of God. That means that Jesus no longer walks in their midst and there's no more anointing and there's no more Holy Ghost. You see, the candlestick is the one thing we cannot lose. We are to be light in this world. We're to shine. And what makes us light is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing of God's Spirit upon us that makes us different. It's not that our morals are different. It's not that our values are different that makes us light. It's not even that our teachings are different that makes us light. What makes us light is fire. Fire puts out lights. And you see, the candlestick is where fire and oil collide. You see, I know today we have wax candles, but the candlestick, that the lampstand really that, that Jesus is referring to uh, is not a wax candle. It's an old-fashioned candlestick like they had years ago where you had a, a candlestick with a wick and then you had it, it fueled by oil. The fire was fueled by the oil. And can I tell you today, your light for Jesus is only fueled by the oil of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have any oil of the Holy Ghost, your lamp's going to die out. Your lamp's going to burn out. It is the oil of the Spirit. And so the candlestick is where fire and oil collide, a combination of Holy Ghost and fire. How many knows fire represents the presence of God? Every time you look in the Bible about fire... The Bible talks many times in the Old Testament about fire falling upon Mount Sinai and Moses and the children of Israel would stand back and they would be in wonder and they would be in amazement knowing that God's presence was among them. They were led at nighttime by a pillar of fire. When God called Moses, he called him out of a burning bush of fire. Fire symbolizes the presence of God. What symbolizes the presence of God? fire and can I just tell you today if we're going to have uh, the Holy Ghost there's going to be fire in the house and when there's fire in the house uh, then anything there can be light there can be, there can be purification the Holy Ghost will move among us if we'll let the fire burn we need to get rid of the wet, wet blankets and get some fire starters in this place that know how to build an altar know how to start a fire do you know where you start fires at you start fires at the altar you see, these altars down here don't have fire on them. I recognize that. But in the Old Testament, what these altars represent is an Old Testament altar. And they would offer up a burnt sacrifice. How do you think they got a burnt sacrifice? Before they had brought the sacrifice, they had to have some fire on the altar. And can I tell you, if you'll bring the sacrifice, what's the sacrifice? You, the sacrifice. If you'll present your body a living sacrifice, come to an old Holy Ghost fashioned altar and kneel down and stay until the fire falls and consumes the sacrifice and let God set you on fire. We need some church that are on fire we need some teenagers that are on fire we need some grandparents that are on fire we need some moms and dads that are on fire I refuse to let the fire go out on my watch I'm not going to be the generation that lets the fire go out brother Mark the fire's going to burn the 
the altar. Hallelujah. It is the most vital thing. If you don't have fire, you can't have a sacrifice. If you don't have fire, you can't have an altar. We kind of have the Holy Ghost. I can do without the piano. And I can do without the drums. I'm amazed at the things that people can't do without these days in church. I want to know, what do you got for my kids? What kind of babysitting program you got for my nursery? What kind of entertainment do you have? What's your facilities look like? You got padded pews. Or you got comfortable chairs. You got good air conditioning. There's some folks, a lot of folks, wouldn't be here this morning because right now in this building it is 81 degrees. But it feels all right, don't it? If it's hot to you, go sit by one of these people with a fan doing this. It'll feel better. You should try getting up there if you think it's hot. That's why I've been preaching down here the last few weeks, ain't it? But I can do without air conditioning. I can do without drums. We had not had life groups in six months. We managed without those. I miss them, but I can do without them. But I can't do without the Holy Ghost. I can't make it without the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. I can, I can sing. I have sung without good music many times. I've sung without good singing. Come on, somebody. I've sung when I didn't know the words. I sung when they were singing in Cherokee and I didn't know what they were singing except I knew who they were singing to. But even though I didn't recognize the words, I recognized the Spirit when He showed up. I can do without the English words that they were singing and singing Navajo or singing Cherokee just as long as the Holy Ghost shows up. Hallelujah. Because you can sing 10,000 words in English, but if there's no anointing, if there's no power, if there's no touch of heaven, it's in vain because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. Just look at somebody. I can't tell them I can't do without the Holy Ghost. I can't do without the Holy Ghost. The enemy of fire is water. Did you know that? When people want to put out the fire, you know what they do? They get water. And there has been a loss of fire in the Pentecostal church. And can I tell you why? It's because we've watered down the message. Come on, somebody. We watered down the message that if it was a cure, if it was a, 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 a medicine that was life-saving and we added all the water that we've added to the gospel, it would never cure anybody of any disease. But can I tell you, when we get back to the Word and we preach it with the anointing and we preach it with fire and we preach it with signs and wonders being demonstrated and let the Holy Ghost move, can I tell you, there is a life-saving power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of us, just like Ephesus, I want you to hear me. Many of us are on the verge of losing our candlestick. Because just like Ephesus, 
we left our first love. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus told them, I'm getting ready to take the candlestick away from you. I'm getting ready to take the oil and fire and the light away from you. You'll keep dancing and singing, but you won't feel my presence. You won't have any anointing. You'll keep coming to church. You'll keep preaching and teaching and acting like you have it all. But I've taken it away. And here's why. Because Jesus said you left your first love. You see, we become powerless when we lose our relationship with Jesus. Our power is in our walk. Our power, come on somebody. It's, what do you mean by walk? I'm not talking about just living by a certain, certain standards, rules, and regulations. I'm talking about when I walk, I'm walking in sync with the Lord. How can two walk together unless they be in agreement? When I walk, I walk in the Spirit with the Spirit. That's where my power comes from. And if you want anointing, young people, if you want God to use you, you see, it's not just, it doesn't come by somebody just laying their hands on you and bam, you got it. It comes from your relationship with God. It comes from your daily consecration with God, from your commitment, from abiding in the vine. If you abide in the vine, then the branch has what the vine has. But you can't just come on Sunday and say, I'm going to get plugged into the vine today and then tomorrow I'm going to unplug from the vine and expect to walk in power. If you're going to walk in power, you have to abide. Everybody say abide. Abide. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you and you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Some of us been asking but we ain't seeing nothing done. It's because we ain't been abiding. But when we start abiding, we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The key is in the abiding. It's in my relationship with Jesus. Amen. Ron, Ron Hart Bunky, the great missionary who passed away last year, he said this. He made this statement. He said, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church. I believe that. John Osteen, John Osteen, not Joel Osteen, John Osteen, Joel's father. I believe he was a Baptist preacher, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. God totally revolutionized his life. He made this statement. He said, when I received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, I got out of the book of Numbers and I got into the book of Acts. And it's not about how many you have, but how much power you have when you get there. Oh, I wish his son Joel would get a hold of that. It's not about having the large numbers. It's about having the presence of God. You see, I love each and every one of you, but you're not the most important thing in the house today. The most important thing in the house is the presence of the Holy Ghost. We would go on without you. You could go on without me, but I can't go on without the Holy Ghost. He is the most vital part of who we are. And yet we see a powerless, Pentecostless version of our faith on display on every corner in America. Churches all over without power and without the promise of God is it any wonder that there is perversion instead of power. 
that there's more playboys than there are prophets that there's more compromise than there is conviction we need the Holy Ghost back in our churches I said we need the Holy Ghost back in our churches many people who claim that they have had an experience with the Holy Ghost are more dead than they are alive they're more off than their own every once in a while they'll be on Listen, if you just praise God when you feel like it, if you only got victory once a month, you're more off than your own. You need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need to stay plugged in the Holy Ghost because what's happened to so many of us, it's not that your experience wasn't real. It's that you stopped abiding and you stopped communing and you left your first love and you lost your anointing. You lost your candlestick. Y'all with me today? Praise God. Every person that's part of this church needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Every person. If you're part of this church, you need to be on fire for God. Well, that's half of y'all seeing, amen. Every single one of you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. The most vital part of the church is the Holy Ghost. Are you part of the church? Come on, are you part of the church? Are you blood washed? Sanctified? Holy Ghost filled? You need to be if you're not. You need to be Holy Ghost filled. Yes, you can go to heaven. You can be part of the church without being baptized in the Holy Ghost. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm talking about what you should do. You should be filled with the Holy Ghost. You should be baptized in the Holy Ghost and on fire for God. Let me give you five reasons that you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Five reasons that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is the most important and most vital thing in the church today. Number one, Jesus himself chose to minister only after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus himself never performed one miracle Never performed one sign, one wonder. Never gave testimony of the Father until he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. If you don't believe that, go look in Luke chapter 3. Just study the Gospels. Jesus is 30 years old. Never performed a miracle because the Holy Ghost hasn't come upon him. But immediately when the Holy Ghost comes upon him, he's baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Spirit descends upon him and remains upon him. Acts 10 and 38 tells us that from that day forward, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with power and with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. From that day forward, he started performing miracles. As a matter of fact, he immediately is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, praying and getting close to his Father, seeking God. And he's tempted by the devil, but he returns from the desert place in the power of the Spirit, goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, stands up to preach the first message. And do you know what his first sermon was? He takes the scroll of Isaiah and he turns to Isaiah 63, where it reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me are you with me today he has anointed me 
Jesus is speaking these old words from the old prophet about the anointed one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He sent me to set at liberty those that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says that he goes and sits down in the seat. You see, in that time, there was a seat reserved in every synagogue that only the Messiah could sit in. And when Jesus had finished reading that old scroll of Isaiah, he said, this day, that scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And then he went and sat in that seat that was reserved for nobody but himself. Nobody but the one that the anointing of the Spirit of God was upon. And from that day forward, he's performed miracle after miracle. Now, why do you need the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus chose to minister through the Holy Ghost. He is our example. And if he saw it necessary to receive the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. Number two, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 that before the day of Pentecost, Mary was found with the other 120 in the upper room waiting to receive the Spirit. Remember Mary. Mary, who in Luke chapter 1 was chosen, specially picked out, chosen above everybody else as the handmaiden of God, the virgin who would conceive and bring forth God's own son into the world. Special chosen. The Bible says that she was highly favored among all women. Women, Highly favored. And she needed the Holy Ghost. And if she still needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, how much more do you need the Holy Ghost? Number three, the third reason you need the Holy Ghost is it was Jesus' last message to the church. The last message Jesus told the church. Now listen, he could have talked about anything. He could have talked to his church about church growth. He could have talked to his church about the best programs, about the best soul winning strategies. He could have talked to them about how to lead people in worship and music. And he could have talked to them about the importance of tithing. He could have talked about a number of things. But he chose to talk about the necessity of waiting in Jerusalem. He said, don't go anywhere until you receive the promise of the Father until you're endured the fourth reason that you need the Holy Ghost it was Jesus' last message but it was number four it was Paul's first message to the 12 Ephesian disciples in Acts 19 now if you, if you read Acts chapter 19 Paul shows up at Ephesus He's getting ready to start a church there, trying to win some people for the Lord, but he finds out when he gets there that there's already some believers there. There's already about 12 disciples there who have already accepted the Lord. And Paul's plan was to reach not only Ephesus, but all of that region, all of Asia Minor. And he shows up to, the, to this, this group of disciples and the first message he preached to them wasn't how to pray, it wasn't how to tithe, it wasn't the seven Hebrew words of praise, how to shout like a Pentecostal, how to do a Pentecostal jig. The first thing he told them, the first message he preached, 
Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. He said, after he had rebaptized them in water, he laid his hands on them and the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake in other tongues and there started a great revival in that region, not just Ephesus, but the whole region come to know the name of Jesus because Paul recognized that after you get saved, the next greatest need in your life, the next message you need to hear, it's not that you need to go to church it's not how to pray not how to fast the next important message you need to hear is you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost yes you do and if you're here today and you started following Jesus recently if you haven't heard this yet you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost that that is that's like I don't I don't know how to describe it other than that's like giving the best shot of the best boost of steroids there is It'll accelerate your spiritual growth. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need the, you, can, you can grow more in six weeks being baptized in the Holy Ghost than you'll grow in 60 years without the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit. You need this baptism that I'm preaching about to you this morning. Is anybody in the house this morning? The next reason. Is this number five? Number five. And this is the last one. It is the one promise in the Bible referred to as the promise of the Father. I read it to you all ago in Luke. Luke 24. Terry in Jerusalem. Till you receive the promise of my Father. In Acts chapter 1, Luke repeats it. Verse 4. Acts 1 and 4 says being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You see, this is the only promise that's called the promise. It indicates to us that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a special and an important experience from God. There's a lot of things that God promised you. He promised he would bless you. That's a promise. He promised he would heal you. That's a promise. He promised, come on somebody, he'd give you peace. That is a promise. But the promise, the promise, the greatest promise you can receive after you get saved is the promise of the Father. And that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, that is a promise of all promises. Because from that promise, all other promises come from. From that promise, all other promises hinge. When I receive Holy Ghost baptism, then I have power to lay hands on the sick. When I receive Holy Ghost baptism, then he will keep me in perfect peace. When I have Holy Ghost baptism, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is the promise. Now you may be wondering today, I don't know if that baptism in the Holy Ghost is for me. Well, the Bible calls it the promise from the Father to you. Peter goes on, and if you turn the page to chapter 2, he says, this promise is unto you. That's all those people that day. 3,000 people got saved. 
He said, it's every one of you. But not just to you. To your children. That's to every Jewish descendant from those 3,000. Although I don't know, there's not a lot of Jews in here. I know there's some that have Jewish descent in here, but not a whole lot of us do that, have that Jewish descent. So it's to them, to the Jews, to their descendants. But here's the third part. As many as afar off as the Lord our God shall call. That's Gentiles. And it's not just one generation of Gentiles. It's not just a first century church. If God has called you to salvation, this promise is for you. This promise is the promise of the Father for you. You can, this is your promise. That means it's for you. I don't promise my kids something that's not for them. Come on, somebody. No, no, no. I don't promise them something that's reserved for only somebody else. If I promise them something, it's for them. In my mind, it's for them. And your Bible says that all of the promises in God are yes and amen. That includes the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God, do you really want to fill me? Really me? Of all the people in the earth, me? If you're asking that question, God says all of my promises are yes. Yes, it's for you. Yes, it's for you. Why is it so important to your life? I got a lot of things I could tell you why. Let me give you a few reasons. It's your source of power. It's your source of service. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. If you're going to have a powerful Christian testimony, you got to have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. To be endued with means literally to be clothed in power. To be wrapped like a garment in power. And Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will be endued with power. You will be wrapped in power. Can you, can you turn that that way? It's making me say, I don't have corona. Amen. I just got too much wind on my voice. Just turn it off or turn it down or something. I, the best way I can liken power is kind of like Iron Man getting in his suit. Now some of y'all, your ears finally perked up. But when Iron Man gets in his suit, he totally transforms. The Holy Ghost is to the believer what a phone booth was to Clark Kent. Come on somebody. When I receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, where's my help at? When I receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, there is a surge of power that comes upon me. You see, I know most of you think pastor, pastors can talk for a long time. He, he can just get up and talk for an hour, no problem. But you know what? If you would go back to 1995, a 15-year-old preacher that had tried to preach several times but was so nervous and my, my knees would shake. I didn't know what to say. I'd have all the notes, but I couldn't get it out. But something happened to me on a Friday night at a camp meeting. God baptized me in the Holy Ghost. And it's like I stepped into a suit of power. And I can't explain it, but the next time I open my mouth at school to tell somebody about Jesus, God was giving me the words to say. The next time they put a microphone in my hand, it was like fire shut up inside of my bones. The next time I laid hands on somebody, there was a manifestation of power because the Holy Ghost brings power. And this promise ain't just to preachers. This promise is for you. Every one of you in this place, it's for you. It's for you. 
Look at somebody and say, it's for me. Come on, tell them it's for me. Oh, yes, it is. Another reason why this baptism is so important is all other experiences are propelled by this experience. You got to have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. You see, we have substituted the Bible for the Holy Ghost. Did you know the first 400 years of church history, the church didn't have a Bible? We went from Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But if the Holy Ghost don't show up, the Holy Bible will not help me. You need to hear that. I can't rightly divide the Holy Bible without the Holy Ghost. I can't rightly understand the Holy Word without the Holy Ghost. I love the Word. I'm not taking anything from the Word. This Word was inspired and written by and authored by the Holy Ghost. Every page in this book, He breathed it. I know holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says in 1 Peter. But what that means is men just cast their sail up in the wind and let the wind of the Spirit direct them. And He led them and God them and God used human flesh but breathed it was God breathed and it's alive and I thank God for this word but as inspired as it is I am flesh and I'm carnal unless the Holy Ghost comes upon me and helps me to understand this that's why many of you can't understand this Bible you read it and you read it and you're like I just don't get it you can't approach it like you approach your algebra book or like you approach your history book or like you approach Shakespeare. The Bible says this book is spiritually discerned only. The things of God can only be spiritually discerned. You can't discern them with the natural. So before you open this book, you need to say, Holy Ghost, i got to have you today. I've got to have you teach me this book. And your Bible tells you that the Holy Ghost is the teacher. He is the teacher. Look in John 14 and 26. Can you get that one on the screen for me, Matthew? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, He will teach you all things. Have you been learning? Have you been growing? You're not going to learn or grow if you're not in the, in the Spirit. Chapter 16 of that same book, verse 13 Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. A few years back, I was getting ready to take a Bible class, and I was signing up online for this Bible class. You guys that have done this, you know, even in high school now, you, you have to sign up online or whatever, even times. But I remember signing up online and, you know, you can see all the different times you can take the class. The days that it's up, available, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Then you can see the professor's name. And I happened to be looking one day at the textbook and I noticed that the professor had the same name that was on the textbook. There was a couple of other professors as well. But I thought to myself, who better to teach the book than the author himself? If the Holy Ghost is really the author of this book, then I don't have to go to YouTube and find some new revelation. 
You better be careful about that. Come on, somebody. You better be careful who you listen to. I don't even have to wait till Wednesday night to learn. I can get in my word all by myself with the Holy Ghost and he will guide me into truth. He will guide me. That's why I need the Holy Ghost. That's why I need the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you today. Now, some of us haven't been reading the Word, so we thought we didn't need the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing. When you get the Holy Ghost, He makes you want to read the Word. And if you hadn't been wanting to read the Word, then you think you got the Holy Ghost, you need to go get some more Holy Ghost until you want to get in the Word. Because when you want, when you get the right Holy Ghost, when you get the right Spirit, you'll want to be at church. You'll want to be in the Word. You'll want to praise. You'll want to worship. I can tell you what all He does. He changes your worship. He changes your walk. He changes your talk. He gives you an anointing. He puts fire in your bosom. He changes you. And if that didn't happen to you, you need to come today and get filled with the Holy Ghost afresh. Some of you it happened to, and you started out, you started out on fire for God. Oh, I bought a charcoal grill a few months back. And I got a gas grill, but I just love charcoal. Charcoal is convenient, or gas is convenient. You turn the knob and push the button, and instantly you got the right temperature you want. That's the way many of us want with church. We walk in the door and we want to turn it on and push the button and there's the fire. And We get ready to walk out, we turn it off and we walk away. I'm done today, Holy Ghost. Hmm. I, did, I didn't mean to say that. Sorry if that offended you. Here's what I meant to say. That charcoal grill, what I found about it is I can get it lit and it takes a little bit to get the coals right. And you t it takes a, it's a little bit of learning curve to try to figure it out. You got to have a little patience sometimes. You can't just throw steaks on the grill or chicken or ribs. Anybody sound? Come on. <laughs> just go on and preach, Pastor. I know that's what y'all saying. You gotta wait till the coals are right. But here's what I've learned. If I'm cooking something for very long, those coals, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm buying the wrong stuff. Maybe Brother Jackson needs to help me. I don't know. But give it 30 minutes and it seems like I'm losing the heat already. If I'm wanting to cook something for a long time, 30 minutes, my coals are starting to go out. Maybe some of y'all can help me. I don't know. My point is this. As fast as those coals burn out, some of you burn out. You come down and get on fire for God when we have a conference and when we have a revival. And when a preacher preaches on the Holy Ghost and you come and get filled. But 30 minutes later, you're in the car fighting. 30 minutes later, you're in the car singing the world's music. Boy, I'm preaching to you today. 
One week later, you ain't coming back to church. You're missing. Where you been? What happened to your fire? You see, can I just tell you, it's not a one-time experience, this baptism in the Holy Ghost. I'm not just saying you need to get on fire for God so you can say, oh, I've arrived. I've had what pastor talked about. Check mark, I've made it. No, no, no. This is not just an experience. This is a lifestyle. It is living in the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. It's breathing. Paul said in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. We used to say, he's all over me and he's keeping me alive. When's the last time he was all over you? When's the last time he was all over you? It's not just a revival experience I'm talking about. I don't know when the idea and the concept came about of revivals and conferences. But honestly... I don't see it in the Bible. I know we do it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think the mentality of living from conference to conference or from revival to revival is wrong. I don't see it in the Bible. I see a church that got saved and people got filled with the Holy Ghost and they were radical and they didn't lose their passion. 10 years later, they're preaching everywhere. 15 years later, they're selling everything and following the Lord. They left everybody. They would burn them in hot oil 20 years later. But the same anointing was upon them. They didn't lose their fire. They didn't lose their passion. Some of us need to go back down to the altar and let God refill us again with the Holy Ghost. Because the most vital thing, the most important thing in the church is this. It's the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost. Some of you know God's got a calling upon your life. I could look at these young people. There is callings upon you. And the most vital thing for that calling that's upon your life, the most vital thing is not to go to Bible school. It's not to go to the Timothy Project. The most vital thing is to get filled and stay filled with the Holy Ghost. He will teach you and guide you into truth. He'll teach you everything you need to know. I'm not, I'm not, knocking, I'm not knocking education. Don't misunderstand me. But you've got to have the Holy Ghost. It is vital that you have the anointing, Robert. It's vital that you have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And that you live in the Spirit. In closing today, I have heard this said, and I believe it's true, that everybody in this room, we are one decision away from a totally different life. A totally different lifestyle. If you would change one thing in your life for six months, I've heard this said, your life would forever be altered. One thing. Now we could, we could point out several things. But I want to just ask you if you take that one thing and say, for the next six months, every day, every day, I'm going to pray until the Holy Ghost comes. Every day when I go to school, I'm going to intentionally listen to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. For the next six months, I'm going to say no to the world and yes to God. For the next six months, are y'all with me? Y'all getting it? What would happen? 
in your life? What anointing would you be in six months from now? When January gets here, when February gets here, where would you be at spiritually if you started right now coming down to an altar and saying, God, fill me afresh and anew. And tomorrow you wake up and say, God, I need you afresh and anew today. And you do that for six months. February, where would you be at? How would your family look? What would your work look like? What would your school look like? What kind of an anointing would you have in your hands? Hmm. Six months. But we got to break this pattern of getting on fire for a little bit. And then I preached that message a few months ago about roller coaster Christianity. We got to break that cycle. Your church attendance is not the most important thing in the church. The Holy Ghost is. You need the Holy Ghost more than you need to come to church. You need the Holy Ghost more than you need a preacher. It is the most vital part of your Christian walk. Stand with me this morning. I could go on and talk about how the Bible says He would have changed your prayer life. Romans 8 and 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I could talk about how he changes your prayer life. And there is something supernatural about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. He'll take you to a new dimension in prayer. The Holy Ghost, will, another benefit, if you want to call it that, of walking in the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit is He gives you power over the flesh. Romans chapter 5, can you put that one up for me? Romans chapter 5. I'll wait on you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost makes you love people. Yes, He does. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost... Come on, some of us remember when we first got filled with the Holy Ghost. There's just a love for people. That old song, give me that old time religion. Y'all remember that song? Makes me love everybody, makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody, it's good enough for me. The Holy Ghost will make you love people. The Holy Ghost will make you say, help you say no to sin. Romans 8. Verse 3. Verse 4, sorry. The righteousness, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. They that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Holy Ghost changes your affections he changes the things you enjoy and the things you don't enjoy anymore yes he does hallelujah hallelujah come on Gabe just go ahead and start to play something we need the Holy Ghost in this church we need the Spirit of God in this church 
Come on, let's just, let's just worship him for just a moment. All over the building, let's just raise our hands and let's worship him for just a moment before we get into the altar.